Good to see everybody. Uh, turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. By the way, if, if you were looking up on the screen previously, it said the Certainty Conference the 4th through the 7th. That's inaccurate. It, it starts tonight. So um, I'm sure this will be announced in main service, but uh, if you want to see any of that, you can go on to lffellowship.com. Right? And on there is a link to the different conferences. Certainty will be on there. They'll have all the links to the shows. And so uh, definitely be bathing Pastor Morgan in your prayers for that. Um, again, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 12 this morning. We're going to look at a, at a short story this morning that involves Moses, his two siblings, and the Lord. And the basic story is this. You have Miriam and Aaron, the, the sister and brother of Moses, and they're standing around talking smack. Right? They're talking trash on their brother behind his back. So God hears this. He calls them to stand before himself, and then he reprimands them for their actions. And ultimately, we see him curse Miriam with leprosy. And then at the end of the story, what we're going to see is that Moses will intercede on her behalf for mercy from God. Okay, And so that's the basic story, and we're going to dive into that today. And what we're really going to see here this morning is a contrast of two different heart attitudes, right? One of envy and pride, and another of meekness. Hence the the title of today's message, right? The proud versus the meek. You can tell how creative I am with that kind of title, but uh, I just want to keep it simple this morning, okay? So let's pray and and, and we'll dive in. Father, thank you again for this morning that we have. Uh, I just thank you for your words, Father. I thank you that you recorded this uh, incredible story for us. Lord, there's so much here, uh, so much, Lord, that we need to see. And so, Father, would you open our eyes and help us to, um, to see your words. Father, humble our hearts. Father, help us to examine ourselves. Um, Lord, let us not presumptuously come before you and, and assume that, Lord, we're right in all these areas. Father, all of us fall short. Uh, we're weak in the flesh. And, Lord, we need your help. We want to be conformed to your image, Lord. We want you to get the maximum glory out of our lives. And so, Lord, we just ask for your blessing of your word this morning. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So point number one here this morning is the siblings quarrel. The siblings quarrel, verses one and two. It says this, And Miriam and Aaron, they spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Right? And so right away, we see Miriam and Aaron's complaint. It was that Moses had married this Gentile Ethiopian woman, right? A a Cushite. Now, if you recall from from really the the last time I I shared, it was just uh, three or four weeks ago now. we, we saw from Exodus chapter 16 that, that, that murmuring, that, that evil speak, right, is never justified in God's eyes. But in this case, we want to note that, that the complaint that they have here is really completely unfounded, right? It's, it's without a cause. First of all, the laws that uh, God gave Israel concerning intermarried, uh, interracial marriages um, did not come until after Moses was married, right? If you recall... Uh, Moses was married before the exodus from Egypt, and the law did not come until Israel's time in the wilderness, right? So we know that that God does not retroactively 
right, apply and hold people accountable to laws that did not exist. If he was, or if he did, then, then all of the patriarchs would have been guilty of not keeping the feast days, right, or the special dietary laws that, that God eventually gave to Israel. Okay, so God doesn't work that way. Second, like, we want to understand, right, when we look at God's laws in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, right, God listed seven people groups that Israel was not to make intermarriages with. Now, all of these people groups dwelt in the land of Canaan. And the reason that God forbade marriages with these people groups had nothing to do with race. It all had to do with the fact that these people served and worshipped other gods. Right? And really, that, that's no different from what God says to you and I today. Right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14... Paul tells believers, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Because God does not want the heart of his people drawn away from him. Okay, so the point is this, that, that Miriam and Aaron, they complained, they, they spake evil against Moses for a reason that, again, was unfounded. It was without basis. But as we see in verse 2, right, this was really just a, a masquerade. It was a smokescreen to mask their own envy and pride. In verse 2 it says, And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us, and the Lord heard it? Right. So we see here that Miriam and Aaron's complaint, it wasn't really against Moses' wife. It was against his God-given authority. Right? They were envious of how God used Moses, and they weren't content with how God used them. And as a result, they desired Moses' position. Right? In their pride, they believed they were owed it. They deserved it. Now, I, I wanna, want us just to, to think here this morning. Does that, does that spirit, does that attitude, does that remind anybody of anyone from Scripture? It's all right, you can just shout it out. Anybody at all that, that, that's looking at what they have, that's not content with what they have, and says, man, I want that. Th there you go. Thank you, Martha. All right, Martha's awake this morning. Right, Lucifer. Right, Lucifer. Right, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Right, God gives us some insight into what happened with Lucifer. How did he fall? It says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. So we must understand that, that envy... Envy and pride are devilish. They come from a spirit of antichrist. In Ezekiel chapter 28, right, we learn that, that Lucifer was the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God, right? He was highly, highly exalted. Right? He was entrusted to lead all of creation in the worship of God. But envy and pride got the best of him. Right? He wasn't satisfied with how God had used him. 
And he wanted the authority and glory reserved for God and God alone. Likewise, Miriam and Aaron, they were highly exalted amongst God's people. Right? Aaron was the high priest, Miriam a prophetess. And just like Lucifer, they were discontent with how God used them. And envy and pride led them to speak evil against their brother Moses. Now this spirit is very much present today, right? Even in the church, right? People find themselves discontent with how God uses them or how he has blessed their life. So they covet what others have. They covered others' attributes, their possessions, their stature. And pride leads them to believe that, you know what, they're owed more. They deserve something more. God owes me more. Doesn't God recognize what I have to offer? Doesn't God recognize my sacrifices? Why hasn't the Lord elevated me to the position that I deserve? And this is satanic. Right, this is devilish. This is a spirit of Antichrist. In James chapter 3, verse 14, it says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, right, Paul tells us that envy is a sign of carnality. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Verse 3, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not yet carnal, and ye walk as men? So just as we see with Lucifer, right, envy and, envy and strife, right, they, they stem from a failure for the individual to recognize and be content with how God uses them and how God has blessed them. To be considered of the Creator, right, to be used of God in any manner is an honor, it is a blessing, man. It is something that, that you and I, all of us, are completely unworthy of when we consider who he is and who we are and the fact that God would even look down on us and consider us and allow us to be part of his work. I mean, my goodness, what an honor. You know, it's easy to, to look at Miriam and Aaron here and, and to judge them for their envy and pride, but if we're not careful, we can very much find ourselves in that same position today. You know, Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, it tells us that, that in Christ we are kings and priests. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 tells us that, that all of us are ambassadors for Christ entrusted with the words of God to speak on the behalf of God. Right? We are no less honored, we are no less exalted than, than Miriam and Aaron were in their day. And yet, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves envious of the things that we don't have. 
Now the contrast we see with Moses. Point number two this morning is Moses' meekness. Moses' meekness. Verse 3. It says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Now notice here, this is a, a parenthetical statement, right? God is cluing us into the character of Moses and why we will see him respond the way that we do. It says that Moses was very meek above all the men on the earth, right? Now that word meekness, it implies a humility of mind. It may be defined as, as mild in temper, gentle, not easily provoked, and given to forbearance. Now, I want to spend some time here on the subject of meekness, right? This is a, obviously a major focus of this passage, and it is why we see, again, Moses respond the way that he does. God has much to say about it in his word. So the first thing we must understand when it comes to meekness is that meekness is a character trait of Christ. Meekness is a character trait. It's a characteristic of Christ. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 5, it says, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, says, Now I, Paul, myself, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Right, when we consider Christ, right, we consider the fact that, that, that he humbled himself. He left heaven to become a man, right? The king of kings, the lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, right? He walked the earth as a man. And he never received the honor and the glory that was due to him. But instead, he suffered as a man, as a sinner, Right, he who did not sin suffered the sins of the world that he might save the world. And with his last breath, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Meekness is key to God's character, and it ought to be ours as well. Letter B, meekness is learned. Meekness is learned. Now this is a, uh, this is a comfort to me. Um, meekness is not a, a strong suit of mine. Okay, I'm, I think most people who know me would, would not describe me as a, as a gentle man. Um, I mean, I'm a gentleman. I'm a gentleman. I will hold the car door open. But a, a gentle man is probably not the first thing someone would describe me as. Uh, oftentimes in my life, I'd have been put in situations and, 
And I, I haven't always been um, slow to anger, slow to wrath, right? Quick to, to forbear the wrongdoing of others. And I suppose that, you know what, some are, are naturally meeker than others. But certainly the, the world and the spirit of the world, they oppose meekness. It's very contrary to what we think of today, right? We live in the, the day and age of the rights of the people. Right? I have my rights, and, and God forbid that you would trample upon my rights. And if you trample upon my rights, well, then I'm here to fight. I am going to fight for my rights. You say something that offends me, I'm going to let you know it. <laughs> Forbearance is a term of the past, right? This is about me and me getting what I want, right? The spirit and the age that we live in is very much against this. But as we're going to see here today, right, meekness can be learned, right? Moses is our example. Right now, recall as a young man, Moses was was raised in Egypt, right? And when we see him there in in Exodus chapter 2, what we find is, is Moses is standing around one day and he sees one of his Jewish brethren and he's being mistreated by this Egyptian. And Moses witnesses this and decides, you know what? There needs to be no talking about this. And he slays this man. Right? He just murders this guy. And when we think about that, that that's quite the opposite of meekness, right? There was no forbearance. There's nothing gentle about killing another human being. Right? There was no humility of mind. There was no forgiveness in this act, right? He he very much acted out of emotion and anger. So we see we we know that Moses was not always meek. And so we may surmise that that meekness can be learned, right? If Moses was was once unmeek, and then later in Scripture we see that he is meek, he's not only meek, he's the meekest man on earth, well then we can surmise that, you know what, somehow Moses learned meekness. So the question is, how did he learn it? How do we become meek? Meekness is learned by spending time with God in His Word. Meekness is learned by spending time with God in His Word. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Temperance, against such there is no law. Right? Meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. It is produced in us as we spend time with God and His Word. As we allow the Spirit of God to give us His thoughts and His heart on all manners. If you struggle with meekness like many of us do, and I include myself in that, Right, you ought to start by spending intentional time with God and His Word. And that's exactly what Moses did. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh 
unto his friend. Now, if you want to do a, an interesting study, right, if you, if you get your concordance and you do a, a quick search on, on three words, right, the Lord spake and Moses, right, those three words together, you'll find in Scripture there's over 120 different verses that tell you that God spoke to Moses. That's a lot of verses. That's a lot of real estate given to Scripture for us to ignore, right? God did not want us to miss the fact that that Moses spent time hearing from him. Moses spent a lot of time hearing from the Lord. And so we see that and we know that about him. It should come as no surprise that, that he went from this man who was willing to murder someone at an instant to being what God says was the meekest man on earth. Let her see here this morning, meekness is necessary to grow and to minister to others. First off, to grow. Meekness, right, a humility of mind, is necessary for us to learn. Psalms chapter 25, verse 9, it says, The meek will he, the Lord, guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Right? Prideful people, people that, that know it all, they will refuse instruction. You know, any Sunday we can come to church and we can have our mind made up, hey, this is, this is how I want to live. This is what's right in my own eyes. And it doesn't matter what Sam or Kenny or anybody else preaches us on a Sunday. Right? When my heart's made up that I already know what I know and I'm already going to do what I'm going to do, then you could hear the best, the most eloquent, most creative, thought-provoking message in the world, and it doesn't matter. You might as well have stayed home. Because your pride has ensured that, you know what, there will be no change in your life. You will not learn anything. You may nod your head and say, man, that, that sounds good. You know what, I wish so-and-so could have heard that. And all the while, God is speaking to you but your pride keeps you from learning. Your pride keeps you from being changed. Next, we see that, that meekness is required to minister. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, it says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Right? It says the servant of the Lord must not strive, that is to argue, to fight. The motivation that we see here in this passage is to teach what is true. Not to win an argument. All right, if our motivation is to win an argument, that is pride. That is not meekness. And I, I can raise my hand and say, man, that <laughs> too many times in my life where I've gotten with a, a, you know, someone, whether it was a lost person or a brother and sister in Christ, and you see them caught up in a fault, right? My 
motivation was to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. I'm right and you're wrong. I know something you don't know. You should listen to me. The motivation wasn't to teach. It wasn't to to share truth. It wasn't to, to give them over to God, that God would give them a will to repentance. The motivation was, I'm right. You just need to see what I see. Do you see the subtle difference there? You know, we see here, we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Again, meekness is a humility of mind. Only God can lead someone to repentance. I've made that mistake far too many times, thinking that, you know, it's somehow something that that I'm going to say, right? I'm going to convince with my intellect, with what I know, I'm just going to convince and I'm going to make someone's life right. I'm going to turn on the light. Once they hear from me, hey, I know you've tried counseling them, but let, let the pro, you know, let me, let me take charge here, right? Let, let me show them. Because once they hear what I have to say, all of a sudden, the light's going to come on. They're going to know the truth and they're going to do what's right. And that's pride. That is arrogancy. I have learned I can't make anybody do anything. I can't make anybody think anything. I can't make someone do what's right. I can share truth. I can pray. I can ask God to do what he promises in his word. But I can't make anybody do anything. And for me to think otherwise is to think more highly of myself than I ought. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech ye that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Right, here we see that Paul implores the church to walk worthy of their calling, with all lowliness and meekness. Now notice here that if we are to, in a manner that is becoming of God, if we are to minister in a manner that is becoming of God, then, then we are to minister in meekness. And to do otherwise is to, frankly, live unworthy of God's calling in our life. Point number three here this morning, we see in our story is God's judgment. Verses 4 through 12. Numbers chapter 4, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 12, verse 4. It says, And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam. He says, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of a cloud, and stood in the door of the tabernacle. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words. He said, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. And I will speak unto him in a dream. He says, my servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all my house. He says, with him will I speak mouth to mouth. 
even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. He says, Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak evil against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam and said, Behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Okay, so there's, there's a lot here, right? And there's a lot we could talk about here this morning. For, for the sake of brevity, right, I want to make just three quick points, okay? Three quick points. Letter A, God takes issue when we speak evil of authority, right? God takes issue when we speak evil of authority. Again, if you recall from, from uh, I guess it's been about a month ago now, in Exodus chapter 16, we, we saw that, you know what, when God hears murmuring, when he hears our complaints, right? He, well, frankly, he does hear all of them, and that he takes those very personally, right? God is never okay with, with murmuring or complaining, right? But what we see here in, in this passage today is that God takes particular issue, right, when we murmur, when we speak evil against authority. And that should not surprise us because we know from Romans chapter 13 that, that all authority, Right? Good or bad is ordained of God. All authority is ordained of God. Romans chapter 13. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19 says this against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Get this them that sin, rebuke before all that others also may fear. You know, to speak evil, right, to, to accuse an elder within the church of God, God says, you know what, hey, you do that wrong, that is sin. That is sin. And, and listen, all of us, everybody in this room has heard Pastor Sam or Pastor Kenny or another one of your leaders here in the church Stand up and say something that, you know what, you didn't understand. Or maybe you didn't agree with, right? When, when it came time for COVID and, and the church made the decisions that were made, right? The leaders made the decisions that were made. Listen, you may not have understood it and you may not have agreed with it. But that does not excuse you to go and to speak evil of them. It does not excuse you. That was a really tough time that we came through. And I don't know that there ever was a right answer. But I can tell you there were a whole lot of men that spent a whole lot of hours on their knees begging God for wisdom and direction on how to lead us as a church, how to protect us as God's people and continue on the mission that God gave us. 
And there were a whole lot of people standing outside that door that had a lot of opinions on what we should be doing. Why is Sam making this decision? Why didn't Kenny do this? Why aren't we wearing masks? Why are we wearing masks? Like, everybody had an opinion. God says, you know what? To speak evil of an elder, that is sin. That is never okay in God's eyes. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. So the point is this, right? Don't speak evil of your pastors. Don't speak evil of your boss at work. Don't speak evil of your government officials, and that includes your Facebook post, right? Every time that, that President, ex-President Trump or that President Biden or whoever the next president is, every time they do something that you don't agree with, you don't have to let the world know about it. Ladies, don't speak evil of your husbands. Listen, my wife has seen me make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I mean... It, you know, if we got up here in the true serum, she was hooked up to a lie detector, like, I mean, she could, she could list them out. You know, if she wanted to, she has plenty of reasons she could complain. I have never heard my wife, I, I, I know of no instance from my wife has ever spoken evil of me, where she's ever complained, where she's ever murmured to a friend or to a neighbor or anybody else, and she has every right, she could, she would never do that. Right? Don't do it. It's sin. It's displeasing to the Lord. And as we see here, God will judge that. Second thing I want us to see here this morning is that God will humble the proud. Right? God will humble the proud. Right? We see that, that Miriam and Aaron, they got full of themselves, and so God humbled them. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth. God opposeth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. I mean, think about that for a second. God opposeth the proud. You know what? The last thing I ever want is to think that, man, I'm standing against God. God's standing against me. That should make us tremble. Oh my goodness, the, the Lord is... Like, I'm now, I'm now fighting the Lord? None of us should ever want to put ourselves in that position. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The lofty looks of a man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. You know what? If that's our motivation... Man, this is all about the glory of the Lord. The Lord and the Lord alone is going to be the one exalted in that day. Then you know what? Man, when, when, when Jonathan Kindler gets up here and preaches on a Sunday, I am Jonathan's biggest fan. When Mark is preaching on a Sunday, I'm Mark's biggest fan. 
when, when Gordon's leading us in something, I'm Gordon's biggest fan, or Guy, or, or any one of you guys, like, however God uses you, I am your biggest fan, because if you're bringing glory to God, man, in that day, God's going to be exalted. I am not envious of that. I am your biggest fan, because this is about God's glory. It's not about mine, and it's not about yours. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Christ said, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Right From Scripture, we know that, that pride is one of the seven things that God hates. You can read about that in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 17. And as we've already seen, right, envy and pride, those are characteristics of the devil, right? They are antichrist, and God will not let them go unpunished. And that's exactly what we see here in this story. Let her see, God avenges His own. God avenges His own. God takes care of His own, and He will avenge His own. Right? Moses did not have to avenge himself. God did it for him. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Luke chapter 18, verse 7, Shall not a God avenge His own elect, which cry unto Him day and night, Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. So when someone wrongs us, when someone speaks evil of us, when they tell lies about us, you know what, when someone cuts us off in traffic, look at it, Mark. An inside joke between Mark and I. Maybe Mark's cut some of you guys off in traffic. <laughs> we don't have to avenge ourselves. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to exchange mean words. We don't have to tell someone how wrong they were. We don't have to try to justify ourselves. God will do that for us. Right? God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that's what he's going to reap. I can have peace. It's okay. It's okay to be cut off in traffic. It's okay of someone to say something about me that's not true. It's okay for someone to mistreat me. I mean, if they did it to Christ... Why should I feel like I'm owed anything more? I don't have to avenge myself, right? God will do that for me. Instead, we ought to follow Moses' example here. Point number four, Moses' intercession. Moses' intercession, verses 12 through 15. That should actually be 13 through 15. 
Numbers chapter 12, verse 13, it says, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the Lord journeyed not, or I'm sorry, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterwards, the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. You know, when we just consider this situation here, I, I think if you put yourself in Moses' shoes, most of us probably would not have responded the way he did here. Right? Most of us, I think, would have found ourselves very angry and upset. Right? If, if, if out of nowhere, right, you find out that... that someone very near and dear to you, right? Maybe it's family, maybe it's a close friend, maybe it's a brother or sister in Christ. You find out that, that behind your back, this person has been speaking lies, they've been talking trash, they've been, they've been doing evil to you, and you find out about it? I think most of us would be hurt. We would be angry and upset, and man, we'd want to we'd give them a piece of our mind and say, man, you piece of trash, I can't believe, you know, how could you do this to me? I mean, after all that I've done for you, you know, think about the relationship they had here. Think about all that Moses had done for them, and, and they're standing around without a cause, and they're speaking evil of him. I, I think most of us would find ourselves very upset, very angry. Right? Yeah, God, you know, hammer her with leprosy. In fact, God, why don't, we, why don't we add some boils on top of that? Why don't we hit her with this and hit her with that? Like, I mean, think about, put yourself... In his shoes, think about how you would have felt. But what we see here, it's not what Moses did. In fact, you never see him get angry. You never see him ask for them to be punished. You never see him try to justify himself. In humility, he bore the wrong. And he asked God for mercy upon his sister. He who was wrong, he stood as an intercessory to God for mercy on his sister's behalf. Man, what an incredible, incredible picture of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, For even hereunto were ye called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes he were healed. For we were sheep going astray, but now are you returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Man, if Jesus could do that for us, we ought to do likewise unto others. We should be mental, or meek and gentle. 
You don't have to hammer someone when they do wrong to you, when they disappoint you, when they don't live up to your expectations. We ought to forgive and to forbear the wrongdoings of others and to make ourselves intercessors on their behalf. Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, speaking of Christ, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him, or come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And know this. If it was not for the meekness of God, if Christ had not interceded on our behalf, then we would be on our way to hell. If it wasn't for the meekness of God, we would be on our way to hell. Think about that. And let's follow his example. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the, the words that you've given us. Father, thank you for this, this incredible example of meekness that we see in your servant Moses. And Lord, I'm, I'm so encouraged to know that, you know what, Moses wasn't always meek. That, that many of the same things that, that I struggle with in my flesh and my reactions, Lord, that Moses was the same way at one time, and yet, Lord, he sought you, he spent time with you, much, much time with you, Lord, and, and through that time, Lord, we see, Lord, this transformation happen, that this man who was once unmeek became meek, and Father, Lord, what an incredible example that, that, that he who had been wronged would then stand, Lord, not as a defender for himself, but would stand as an intercessory for those who would sin. Lord, and that, and that points us to Christ, the fact that, that Jesus, Lord, who, who did no sin, Lord, he stood as an intercessory for us. Lord, he, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Lord, may we have that same heart attitude. Lord, may we, God, give ourselves, Lord, not, not, not to, to promote ourselves, not to make a name for ourselves, not to avenge ourselves, Lord, not to get what we can get out of this life, but Lord, let us be intercessories, Lord, for the lost, for brothers and sisters in Christ who are caught up in sin. Father, let us in meekness, Lord, live and minister and serve. Father, thank you again for your words. Thank you for the examples that you give us. Father, I pray that we would be humble and, Lord, not let these words fall to the ground. Father, you would just have your way in our hearts and lives. And, Lord, we ask all of this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.